Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clear Path Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. So I want to just jump into the message real quick, because I do feel strongly that I want to share this to keep reiterating this point of holiness. A few months ago, I decided I wanted to preach on holiness, and I knew that I wanted to preach on it for a long time. I don't know if I'm preaching on holiness for two years or six months, but it's, it's going to be a long time, so just settle in. And it's, um, I, I, I have many topics that I want to cover through the lens of holiness. Um, like, how do we manage money or spend money? Like, if we want to talk about money in our society, every time, a, a, a reasonable percentage of the time that you go buy a piece of clothing from somewhere it's very possible that at the end of that supply chain will be somebody who is working at basically slave labor or something similar to it. Did you know that? That when you purchase something, that there is going to be somebody that when you, how many of you have a savings account or a 401k or something? It's probable that there are companies that you have in your 401k that are doing things and promoting things that are completely contrary to what is godly. It's How many of you have a streaming account? It's probable that you are purchasing from a, from a company that streams things that are completely idolatrous and evil and, and against what God is for. Are you with me? Like that, that there is this issue with money once we enter into our society and we begin to spend, to invest, to do anything, that there is compromise across the entirety of the existence that we live in. How, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? You know what I'm going to tell you is, we'll see this, is that you can't leave this world. But what I, but I can tell you that the, the wrong response for a Christian is to sit in our society and just go, well, I can't do anything about it, so I'm just not going to think about it. Like, I, I want to, over the next couple of years, provoke, our, pro- provoke and evoke our imagination, our reflection on the way that we live lives to understand that, there is, that there's a call to holiness, Right? I want to cover things like how do we respond lovingly and faithfully in truth to our culture's view on sexuality. I want to talk about things like how do we participate in politics? What does it mean to live an acceptable and good life? What does it mean to be fruitful? What does holy community and friendship and all these things look like? And there's this enormous number of topics that can be convert, we can have a conversation about through the lens of holiness. And I want to address a lot of those things more in depth, but it is impossible, it's impossible um, 
for us to see all of those things rightly if we don't first understand the foundational truth that God has called us to be holy. He has called you to be holy. The ho holiness, and I want to, you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to have to keep recapping and rebuilding and re-saying things for this to get deep into our hearts and minds. So everybody just forgive me. And so I'm going to recap and say some new things today, but I feel like that the Lord wants to give a framework for our community in depth of what it means to be a holy people because I believe that God has called us to be a holy people. And when we think about the word holy, the word holy, it just means set apart or other or different or, or not the same, not common. There's a lot of different ways that you can approach it, but it's an extremely particular word. And so I'm going to read a few scriptures because I want this to go deep, 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 deep in us as a community. In Leviticus 11.45, there's a statement that is repeated many times in Scripture. This statement, this statement is often found within the pattern of worship being described to the Israelites. And I, wa I want us to grasp this. In Leviticus 11.45, it says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Look at your neighbor and say, be holy because God is holy. Okay. I want to give a whole message on the holiness of God at some point. I'm not doing that this morning, but I want to share a brief bit about God's holiness in contrast with our modern view of spirituality. And it is so that the modern view of spirituality finds itself interweaving into our Christian understanding of what God has called us to be. So in Romans 11, I'll skip down to the end. In verse 36, it says, For him, for God, is through, for, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you have seen this? Yes. It means that all things created under heaven and earth are from God, they're through God, they are for God. I do not have time to unpack how, how this is different from the distortions that man brings upon creation with his sin, but, let, but we'll just set that aside and say that God created things and everything that's been created in heaven and earth is created for him, through him, and, and by him. Amen? And this is, this is a really, really key foundational truth. I know this is foundational and simple for some of us, but it's important to lay a framework. So here's the key truth that is, that is this scripture shows us that's different than our modern spirituality. God is not the sum of all things. God is not the same as the universe. God is not the oceans, the trees, the mountains, the rivers, and the valleys. And so when you hear people say something like they're praying to the universe or they're praying, you know, like God is not the same as these things. Everybody can agree with me, say amen. Okay. And that is important 
because it, it, it's a key element of what happened in the Christian and the, and the Jewish Christian tradition, which is God is, he's not, pan, he's not pantheist. It's not God who is all things. It's God who is in all things. And so when I look at, uh, when I stand by an ocean, when I stand by a river, mountain, valley, I can experience the holiness of God, but God is not that place. Amen? He is something other, otherly. Say the word otherly. We don't like that word sometimes, but God is other. He is something different, okay? He is a part of, but he is different. It, you know, he, he says to the woman at the well, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in, in truth and what? Spirit, because that's what he is. He is not the matter. He's not the sum of all things. He's something specific, holy, and other. It's one of the basic. So one of the other basic tenets of the faith is that God created the world, world ex nihilo. How many of you have ever heard this phrase? It means he created the world out of nothing. In Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of, the God, Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So I want to see this because here's another little point of contrast that's like constantly in the, in the conversation. Is that when you see Genesis 1, you see that God creates something out of nothing. And I want you to see that this is distinctly different from a creation narrative that is in all the other creation mythology and is in the, in even this language, I hear it creeping into the church, is that I hear people say that what Genesis 1 is saying is that God creates order out of chaos. I don't have time to go into this, but the, the Greek word chaos is different from nothingness. So when God creates in Genesis 1, he's not looking at a whole bunch of matter and particles that are doing lots of things. He's not wrangling them like a cowboy wrangles a wild horse. There isn't a chaos of matter. There is the spirit of God is hovering over nothingness. And God creates out of nothing and creates life. That is what so like all of the, you hear people talk about the creation narrative and they'll say, well, God created order out of chaos. That is not what happened. What God created was he created something out of nothing. He created life out of absence of anything. Everybody on board with me. So there is not a chaos in Genesis. There is a nothingness God creates out of nothingness. And we have to understand that this actually affects so many things because we do not begin with a cosmological reality of chaos that God tames and your life came together not by God taking chaos out of matter and ordering it, but God taking nothing and turning it into something. You were formed and knitted in your mother's womb and God created nothing and made you into something. And your life is a miracle. You are not like the great masterful composition of chaotic things being brought into order. You are something that was in the imagination of God who is holy and can create something out of nothing. 
this make sense? You didn't begin as a chaos. You began as something holy that God was creating. Everybody okay? So he, you are something different. There is, an, there is an otherness, there is a holiness to the way he created man to be. You are something different. And when you come in to Jesus, you are created to be something different. Everyone say, I am something different. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. The new is here. Um, okay. Here's the next verse that I want to share with you. Just framework, framework. We're going, we're flying through this. Um, Deuteronomy 7.6. I shared this this last week. For you are a holy people. You are a people holy to the Lord. Your God, for the Lord God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasure possession. You are his treasure. You are his otherliness. You are this thing that he said, it's like, I'm setting you aside over here for me. And so because he is holy, you are now holy. I've, I've He has set his people aside. This is a word to the people of Israel, but we're in on this. So here is the tension that we have to keep coming back to, is that God calls us his holy people, then God invites us is, as his holy people to be a holy people. So you are holy, and he is calling you to become holy. You are and you are becoming. Amen? And so I want to encourage your faith that it is possible to live a completely holy life. We don't have to argue about, you know, whether you're going to achieve that. But I want to, I want to provoke your faith that the Spirit of God dwells in you and that he will keep perfecting you into the holiness to be able to represent Jesus and who he is. Amen? Okay, last sort of repeating framework is that last week we talked about four biblical categories of the way God looks at things. We talked about the clean and the unclean. And we talked about the holy and the common. Some of you know there were unclean things. Like for the Jews, they weren't allowed to eat certain things. They were, they were called to abstain from sin. And there were clean things. There's food that they were allowed to eat. There, was, there are things that they're allowed to do. Um, and then there are common things and there are holy things. Like as unusual as this is in Israel, there were bowls and utensils and cups that were brought into the house of God and they were, they were used to be in a holy, they were used for a holy sense. And then there were things that were used just in, in a common way. And so I want you to understand that the delineation of holiness is between the holy and the common. And it is unfortunate that we have, we have often focused a fairly significant portion of our time on what is clean or unclean. Are you with me? 
God does not just want to make you clean. He wants to make you holy. And so when we live out of this lower narrative of just am I clean or unclean from sin, we live in, the, in only a small portion of the narrative. Like we have to realize that the, the battle for our lives is not over whether we are called to be just clean or unclean, but whether we're called whether we're called out of commonness into holiness. Amen? And I want to just make a brief comment on this. Common is not the same as mundane. There are many holy things that we do that are simple, quiet, unseen, mundane things. But common is something that is just, it's, it's like I'm not, it's not devoted to God. Something that is common is something that is not set apart for God specifically. Does this make sense? And so this, is, this was Peter's, foot, Peter's dilemma in the foot washing is that when Peter is wanting to, uh, when Jesus is going to wash Peter's feet, um, Peter comes and he's like, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, you, you need what I have. And then he's like, the Lord wash my whole body. Like, do all this. And he's like, you've already been made clean. What I'm doing is I'm demonstrating for you the call that I have for you. You're going to do as I have modeled for you, you're going to do to others. And so I believe that if the church could grasp, hear, imagine, see, it's called to be a holy people, we would begin to see incredible fruit. Amen. So, let me just take your faith higher and then, then we'll give you some new thought and I'll, I'll be as quick as possible. Uh, is that there is more to the Christian life than living free from sin. There is more to the holy life than living free from sin. There is, there is a higher devotion on which God is calling us to. And the that is not the main narrative of the Christian life, just to live free from the unclean thing. Everybody with me now? So I'm going to give you the base text for this whole series, and we're going to go somewhere with this. Um, in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Okay, so I'm going to focus on a key word here for just a moment. Everybody say the word patterns. Patterns. We live in a world of patterns. We live in a world of patterns. Um, how many of you wake up at a similar time every day? That, that is a pattern. How many of you know that Israel oriented their schedule in their life a lot around the lunar schedule? Like we decide when Passover is, and, you know, Easter is, we decide a lot of these things based on 
the, the lunar schedule. Like there are patterns in the skies. There are patterns in the earth. There's time for seed time and harvest. I mean, you could tell me the best time to plant a tree. Does anybody know? You plant a tree in the winter because, because of the patterns that are in nature. So we live in a world of patterns, but we also live in economies of patterns. And there are patterns that shape our life. Patterns are shaping your life. I want you to see this. And there was a pattern of sacrifices in Rome. I read a little bit about Roman sacrifices and their purpose. And so they would, they would do these sacrifices where these people would actually try to go in and slaughter an animal and they would compete to see who could get the most blood on their togas because they were just like trying to make it as just gory as possible. And the reason that they would sacrifice in the ancient pagan world is that they would go give sacrifices to gods that would do specific things for them, help them love, help them get fruitfulness from the earth. And they would offer these sacrifices as like a quid pro quo, exchange with God, with the gods to be able to receive what it was that they want. And they offered these sacrifices in patterns throughout the year. Everybody track with me. The pattern that God gave the, in the sacrificial system to Israel was something completely different than the world had known in that time. The sacrifices they gave weren't to go get something or with God, but it was to remind them that God is holy and that they live a sinful life and need God. And so this wasn't, this was, the sacrifices that Israel weren't, they weren't a pattern to get something. They were, a, they were a pattern to be reminded of God's holiness. And so they would, how many of you ever heard the term first fruits? They would give first fruits. They would give like the first lamb. They would give the first of everything because the, this pattern of giving up their first was a pattern of yieldedness to God to say, I'm coming to you and I'm trusting that you are the God who is going to be faithful. Amen? And it's meant to be a copy, type, and shadow of the covenant of grace that we live in. So when Paul says here in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that our lives are to be a living sacrifice, we should ponder what we are, our lives are to be sacrificed to. Here's the key. I would argue that most Christians, and I would argue certainly that most of our world, lives in the same pattern of sacrificial worship that ancient Rome lived in. We operate in patterns in our lives we give our lives to get the things we want. I think in secularity, in modern secularity, we've recreated the same sacrifices that, sit, that serve the same idols. We give our lives to our wishes, our desires. Sometimes they look like ambitions. Sometimes they look like security. Sometimes they look like fun. But, when, but what Paul calls this is a life governed by the flesh. 
that I'm giving myself over to preserving ourselves. Like most people, and I'm just to be clear, I'm not saying that there's wrong, anything wrong with doing these particular things, but it's about why we do them. How many of you grew up going to school? You go to university, you get a job. And most of us, the motivation for doing these things is that if, if we give our, enough of, the, of our life to these things, then we will get what it is that we want. We will find fulfillment. We will find security. We will find a place in this life that we can call our own. And I would like to make you think for a second, how is this any different? How is this sort of living sacrifice any different than the sacrifices that the pagans were making to their gods. We give our lives over so often to the things of the flesh. And I feel like the Lord wants to see this in the patterns of our lives. Our patterns aren't often reflective of holiness. They're often reflective of this self-centered existence. It's not that the pattern of going to university or getting a job is bad. It's partly like you have to live in this culture. Like you have to live in this world where this is how you get goods. But, but for most people, we aren't living our lives as a living sacrifice to God. We're living our lives as a living sacrifice to our needs and desires. And we're, in, and we're interacting with the same pagan idolatry that they were 2,000 years ago. In our patterns. Are you with me? It's impossible to remove yourself from these. Jesus, Jesus even prayed in John 17. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them from the evil one. First John even tells us that this world is ruled by the evil one. And, and while, I, while we cannot escape this world. We must admit that these patterns exist and we must admit to ourselves that we often give our lives to these patterns more than being a living sacrifice. And the gospel calls us to not conform to them. So what is the call of holiness? The call of holiness is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Like, the pattern of earth and earthly sacrifices is to offer things to the gods or to offer things to our economy or to offer things for our lives to get what we want, what we need, and what we expect. But the, but the pattern of heaven is to be a sacrifice before God, to be a living sacrifice. And this pattern, that is a, it, it, the pattern of God leads us to surrendering our will and our delight and our pleasure in him. And when we do this, when we do what God wants, it, this process of, submitter, of submitting ourselves to him, it actually changes and renews our mind. Okay, so I want to share with you a few, uh, I want to share with you a few things that Andrew and I have been praying about. So there's five or six things that Andrew and I have been praying about. One of them is our kids' school. We have one kid that wants to go to, that, that has thought they wanted to go to a different school. Um, 
we have the amount of time that I invest here as a pastor and the amount of time that I invest in my work. That is sometimes an issue of conflict in me having enough time to give to like personal matters. It ha at this point, we've, we've been able to navigate doing both things, but it's something we pray about every day. I, a couple of other things is that we're praying for God, for what God is specifically doing new in the transition of this building. And we've been praying over our own financial commitment to the planet fund, to what we feel like the Lord has been leading us to give. And we've been praying consistently about all of these things. And for me, there is a possibility at every turn in life that God would ask me to lay down every material or resource I have at his feet. That would include my house, my cars, my money, my livelihood, my ability to make money with a job. Like, there's been numerous... On all of these accounts, God has asked me to lay down every one, of, every one of these at different seasons of my life. Because I want my life to be a living sacrifice. And as we have been praying through these things, I want to share with you what has been going on in my mind. There has been doubt manifesting in my mind. The last two weeks, Friday night, I laid in bed feeling the fear and doubt manifesting in my heart. You know, what the, you know what is going on in my mind? What's going on in my mind is you're a crazy person. You don't need to ask God about all these things. You just need to do what you want and just worship God. That's what's going on in my mind. You just, just, do, just do something and you'll be fine. How many of you have felt this doubt? I literally laid in bed Friday night, it was Friday night, I laid in bed Friday night with this doubt just and fear just hanging over me. You are making too big of a deal of being led by the Spirit. That's what I felt. And the lie is that you aren't going to fulfill God's purposes this way. You're gonna, you know what I felt the enemy tell me? You're going to end up broke, insignificant, unsuccessful. I sat there in my mind and I imagined how I could be broke, insignificant, and unsuccessful because I'm trying too hard to lean into what God has to say about these arrows in my life. You know what I'm realizing as I'm offering my life as a living sacrifice? I'm realizing that there are patterns in my mind that the world has shaped in me. I'm realizing how much that my life actually is a product of the patterns of this world and that God's calling me more into holiness. And as I submit myself to be a living sacrifice, there is a renewal happening in my mind and doubt is manifesting because God is drawing it from me like a poison. And I refuse to give the enemy any place of fear in my life because I will be a life that will be led by the Spirit at all costs. And I believe that if I trust him as a living sacrifice, that not only will he renew my mind to be aligned with trust in him, that I will end in a place that will be more abundant, more fruitful, more fulfilling than anything else I could ever contrive on my own. Amen. 
I'm telling you right now that if you make the decision to live your life as a holy sacrifice, it is the thing that will renew your mind from the patterns of this world that are in your consciousness that are reshaping you in fear. Every person in here has been shaped by the fears that are from the patterns of this world, and they are no different than pagan sacrifices. You feel empty inside because you're giving most of your life to get what you want and need, and God says, come to me, my way is better than that. This life of holiness is completely different than the life of commonness. It is common to go to school, go to college, get a job, pay your bills, do some good things, and go on into the sunset. It is holy to submit everything good to God and to find out what he's saying over you. I'm telling you right now, it's not even that God has explicitly answered me on everything. It's just that as I enter into the process of even trying to trust him, I feel the fear and doubt manifest, and this is him renewing me. This is him making me think differently about life. So I want to, I want to stop. I've been just spitting stuff for 45 minutes. I'm sorry. I want us to stop for a second in contemplation. And I want you to ask this question. I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to ask this question. What patterns are shaping my life? What patterns are shaping my life? The Lord wants to give new patterns. The Lord wants to give you a heavenly pattern. I feel like the Lord is saying to some of you that, that if, if, if you don't yield to him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crush you. Because you're living in between two. The Lord says, yield to me. Okay, you can look at me. I want to tell you this. And I'm saying this because this is, this is real. I'm, I don't say this lightly. I'm saying this accountable to a group of people that if the Lord tells me lay, lay down my house, equity I have in my home, the Lord tells me lay down my job, the Lord tells me drain my bank account, whatever like all of those things are on the table with the Lord I'm not saying that for any other reason to say that is how serious God is with our lives in this, in this call to holiness Our lives have to be a living sacrifice. The process of doing that will reshape the way you think. And it's reshaping the way I think. I, and the Lord spoke to me yesterday, and he, he reminded me that every day, every single day, there is a possibility to be a prophetic people who will be a signpost on earth of what heaven looks like. Every day you can live in such a way 
that you are a signpost of a heavenly reality in the midst of this world that we live in. No matter what you've done up to this point, right now, I can become a, I can become a person who is a prophetic picture. I know a guy that he won't, he, because of this issue of, like, if you're going to buy clothing, at some point you're going to cause harm to somebody, he will only make his own clothing. That seems ridiculous to some of you, right? And I don't think that God is calling everybody to do it. But whenever I watch him do it, I think, man, that, that is an expression of holiness. I'm not saying that God is calling everybody to do the same things. I am saying that God has called every one of us in reflection and prayer to live our lives as a living sacrifice. Amen? And, and the last thing I wanted to say is that we cannot enter into a holy calling with common wisdom. It, it just won't happen. The, the common wisdom, the common wisdom of the day will not work. When Israel went into the promised land in Joshua chapter 9, there's a story of the Gibeonites, I think is the name of the, the nation. Israel's going in, the Lord tells them to remove all the enemies, and the Gibeonites put on this, this like ruse. They say, we're going to come with like old, make our clothing look old, make our food look old, and it's going to look like we're at a long, we went on this long journey, and they get there, and the Israelites, they check the clothes, they check the, the food, and they realize, they're like, oh, they're from a place far away, they're, we don't have to deal with them. And this is what it says. This is what, this is what the scripture says. It says they did not inquire of the Lord. They did not inquire of the Lord. And they made a decision of how they would deal with the people based on assessing the situation with common wisdom. I'm telling you that the place that God has called you to, will, you won't get there with common wisdom. You've got to go through this process of having a holy wisdom be imparted as we submit ourselves as a living sacrifice. We will be transformed. Our mind will be renewed. And so Andrew and I, I uh, we had prayed about what God, I feel really bad about this because we gave the, the Planted Fund presentation like what, a month ago? And we didn't have our commitment ready. And so every week, Andrew, I was like, I was like, we still haven't figured out what we're committing to this thing. And we've had multiple people say, this is what they're giving. And we haven't. And so every week we've been praying, we've been praying. And we had this like monthly amount that we thought. And then we had this annual amount. And then the Lord showed me an exact number. And he said, this is the number I want you to give. A very specific number. And... And he said, I want you to give this number now, this, like this week. So I'm putting this in the offering today. I felt the Lord said, and he said, and I want you, the number was a little bit bigger than what we were thinking, which was already like in our hearts, big for us. It's not big for some people, but it's big for us. And so we're like, okay. And then the Lord said, and I want you to double it. And I want you to give that same number on January 7th. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to give this number now. 
I'm going to give this number on January 7th, but I need Andrea to get some, I'm not calling her to tell her she's got to, she's got to get some confirmation. So I said, I called her while they were on a, while she was on a, an outing with the girls. I said, Hey, the Lord told me a very specific way that we were supposed to give. I need some confirmation from you. Can you pray about this for a second? And she sends me a text. She's like, I'm not getting anything except for this specific thing. And I'm trying to be vague, but what I can tell you is what she shared back with me was very ridiculously confirming to what the Lord had put in my heart. And I'm saying all that to say is that if we inquire with God versus use our wisdom, God will lead us. And I am like, I'm coming in like, I'm so freaking excited. I'm like, put that bad boy in the bank. Like, because I just know the Lord, the Lord spoke something to me. He spoke something to her. And I'm like, yes, sir, double portion. We're putting this down. And I'm telling you that if you will give your life to becoming holy, you will see God reshape your mind to think in ways that you never thought. And so I'm going to finish at that point. Uh, let's stand. I'm going to pray over us. I have sprinted to this message. Forgive me, Valerie. How many of you want to live a holy life? Um, I'm just going to pray. I'll pray over you. God, I pray that you would not let us be, be um, shaped by the patterns of this world. And we would recognize them. And we would not conform to them but that we would be shaped as a living sacrifice and that in the process of that, you will renew our minds that may be able to test what is good, what is pleasing, what is perfect, what is acceptable. God, you are no longer going to lead the body of Christ as an unclear, confused people, but you're going to lead us as a clear-headed, full-hearted people, God. You are going to lead us as people who know your voice, who know what is truth, who don't have to question because we have been renewed in our mind, Lord. I pray that you would raise the clarity of the Spirit in this house as we live our lives as a sacrifice, God. I pray that confusion would die at the life of surrender. Confusion would die at the life of surrender. And I pray that you would teach us how to surrender. Teach us how to surrender. Lord, teach us how to die to ourselves in this place, God. Teach us how to surrender, Lord. In Jesus' name, I release this word, God, that clarity will come, confusion will leave as we live our lives. It's a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to, uh, y'all know that we've shared, uh, uh, Daniel and I have been, have been, had this opportunity to go down in the neighborhood that our church building we, we bought and we're moving to. And uh, there's just been some just incredible developments and, and just testimonies have been happening. And I, I am uh, so thankful when we talk about a holy life. Uh, Daniel and Valerie and I have been friends for a while, Daniel and I, for a long time. And I've just seen you, Daniel, as one who has lived a holy life. And yeah, I just, just come up and share, man. I'm just uh, so grateful for what the Lord is doing. Thanks, Jordan. Um, boy, there's a lot to share. You guys, a lot of really, really cool things that we've been seeing. But I think the first, Jordan asked me this morning to share some testimonies of what has been happening as we've been going out and praying for people and just seeing God move, uh, primarily in the new area where the church is. But I think the first testimony, and Valerie and I both agree. Am I speaking too fast, honey? Slow down. She, she gives me this. My wife's back here trying to translate. So I'll try to speak a little slower, honey. Um, I think the first testimony is really just what this church is. Uh, Valerie and I have been a part of a lot of church plants. We've, we've partnered with a lot of works that God is doing. And one of the things that I said to Valerie, after only a few weeks of being here, because of the way that we had been received and, and loved on so well, I said, we could literally invite anybody to this church. This is the kind of church that you could invite anybody from any background and they would feel the love of Jesus and they would encounter his presence and they would feel owned by the people in this church. And that's a really rare and special quality that I see in this church. And uh, I'm so thankful to get to be a part of this family and get to work alongside of all of you. This is just such a powerful time. Uh, I'm going to share a couple things we've been doing before I came out here at uh, Jordan and I were on the phone a, a while. How much time do you want me to talk about this? Okay. Jordan and I were on the phone and I said, Jordan, listen, I, I, I have just this hunger and this desire to go out on the street, just get boots on the ground and go and pray for people. Uh, I, I want to build relationship with, with people that, that are in the area where, you know, wherever we're at. I just want to go on the street, I told him. And I've been praying for a long time and saying, I just want one person to go with. You know, I don't want to go out there by myself. It should be two at once if you, if you go like this, right? Jesus sent his disciples out two at a time. And they went to different cities and different areas. And they proclaimed the gospel and things happened, right? I'm like, God, I, I want the church to activate in this. And I want, I want to see this happen with, with me. And, and I, I had such a hunger. And I said, we just got to do that. And so when I got here, you know, Jordan was a couple steps ahead of me. He was like, yeah, man, we're going to be doing this and that. And, hey, we're going to go to this apartment complex. And so we started going. And uh, immediately we started seeing God's favor abide on it. Um, Valerie and I go to Wednesday prayer at uh, 12 o'clock. And we go from 12 to 1. And I really encourage you guys, if you haven't gone to prayer, I'm just going to take the opportunity to invite you Wednesdays, 12 to 1. It's super powerful. God begins to speak to us corporately here. He'll speak to us individually. But one of the things I was praying, and I, I had kind of a, a bit of a vision as I began to 
pray and ask the Lord specifically, God, where do we find you in this season? That's oftentimes a question I'll ask God when I, when I feel a, a season shift. Where do we find you? I don't, I, I don't want you to find me. I want to pursue you. I want to be where you're at. I want to go where you're at. Where, where do, do you, what do you desire to do? Where is your glory? I want to step into that. And so I, I, uh, I had kind of a daydream or a, a moment where I had a bit of a vision with God and where he took my hand and he walks me into the church and he said, yes, my presence here, but this isn't where you're going to find me. And then I went out, uh, into the homes, and he says, yes, my presence here, but this is where you're going to find me. And then we went out on the streets, and <laughs> there, was, there was Jesus, and he was laying his hand on people, and he said, this is where you're going to find me. You're going to find me when you go to the highways and the byways, and, and you carry out my, my will, and you pray for people, and you love on them where they're at. So anyway, that's maybe what he's speaking just to me, but I actually think it for many people, it was that too. So the first night we went out, we uh, we met a lot of people and we were able to minister to them. But as the weeks went on, like the first night, let's let's just talk about the first night we went to a, an apartment complex. Um, Jordan told me, Daniel, you got to understand something. Um, they might think you look like a cop. Right? <laughs> uh, he, the, the way you kind of carry yourself, so you, you need to kind of soften yourself a little bit. You, you don't want to look like a law enforcement, or you don't, you, you know, you want to look like a pastor. And I've never looked like a pastor. I got to say, I, I never have. Uh, I look like the guy that sits in the back and passes the offering plate, you know, and just glazes over it. So, but anyway, uh, Jordan, Jordan said, "Yeah, Daniel, um, when we go in here, just just know that people." People might be a little hesitant to talk to us. Well, we found out really quick that they were pretty open to talk to us. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our, uh, we begin to meet friends right away. But there was one guy that said, sure enough, according to Jordan, he said, hey, what are you guys doing here? Like, basically, hey, I don't recognize you guys. You guys don't really look like people that live here. And I said, hey, we're pastors. We're just, we're going around praying for people. Man, you need prayer for anything? And and he goes, oh man, that's good, that's good. And so we begin to talk and, and just kind of share our lives. And we end up praying for these guys. And he starts getting all teared up because the presence of God was there, you guys. When we started praying for people, we started feeling like a pretty intense weight of his glory would be uh, on us as we would do that. And um, Ross, it was cool. Ross came out with us. Who else has come out with us? Okay, I've had, we've had David come out with us. And, and Ross has, uh, we, we met a kid randomly that was going there to buy drugs. Remember that, Ross? Yeah. And, and he was just a young kid. And we struck up a conversation and we began to talk to him. And, and uh, uh, we just said, hey, is there any way we can pray with you right now? We're, you know, I'm Pastor Daniel. And, you know, we, we go around and we just pray for people. Is there anything you need? And, uh, and he kind of opened up with us a little bit. He, he said, yeah, this and that. He was kind of shallow at the beginning. But then we prayed for him, and he starts crying. And then we just shared the gospel with him. Remember that? We just, you know, this is who God is, and this is what he wants to do in your life. And he, he wants to, yeah, that's what it means to be born again and forgive you of your sins. And he just, 
he turns he turns around. We get his contact, and he turns around. You're gonna send him a message right now, aren't you? Well, I'm gonna see. I want to read the message that he sent. To yeah. Me. Well, why don't you come up here, Ross? I'd like that. Can we find this? I will. Um, but you know, he he uh, he ended up leaving, and uh, we didn't really know what happened to him. But Ross got his number, and he he went ahead and you got the you got the message. I want you guys to hear it from from his mouth. Let me see. You sent me the message, Ross. I might be able to might be able to find it. But it's really good to hear these things sometimes, you guys. Yeah. What we've been seeing has has been it's 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 been pretty radical. But it's just simply been because there's been boots on the ground. So this is something I sincerely believe. That when you pray and you ask God, uh, you ask God, what do you want to do? And then you do what he's asking you to do. That's when you see the best results, right? That's what walking <laughs> with Jesus is. I know uh, it's a really complicated formula, but we can we can break that down. Just listen to God, do what he says, you know. <laughs> so complicated. I think we overcomplicate church sometimes, huh? Yeah. yeah. Ross, I'm not, I'm not seeing this right now. Okay. If you guys would like to to hear from that, we, we can. Did you find it? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, today is. Uh, I know we've got sports coming, but I mean, today is this is an incredible day for me. This is 90 days into my regeneration, um, and I won't share my full story today. But this is yeah. I was saved um, July 8th, and like the seasons have literally changed, and like it's gone from a season of of you know, rebuilding, um, and like just getting, it really resonated. Um, your story, the guy that was telling, yeah. So your story really resonated with me, right? Having given up on God and, you know, I was a member of this church for a couple of years and I stopped coming, uh, for a variety of reasons. But, um, you know, what, what I've found here is like, I've made it, it's literally 90 days today of making it through this season of, and I feel like God has been giving me the tools to regenerate and to become, you know, whole again. And, you know, I don't know what this next season is, but I think the message from today really resonates because it's, it's this, I feel like I'm going into this intense season of like faith and carrying forth and delivering the message and holiness. And I don't know what all that means yet, but I know that, you know, um, the seasons have literally changed and with the weather and I just find it all very um, overwhelmingly abundantly good. So this is the message that we got. Hey, I just want to thank you guys for helping me out today. I was going through a lot mentally this week, literally on the way to get something just to ease my mind, but I ran into y'all before I did and I'm super happy I did it. And it prevented me from doing, uh, from me from doing so. Thank you for praying for me. It means a lot. So just God is just so good and the ability to come out and talk to people as human beings and just get to know them where they're at and just to love on them where they're at is just it's an amazing gift that we all have so yeah I will, uh, I'll share more at another point in time but yeah this new season that we're in I'm super excited for this church and where we're going and, and what that entails so yeah. Ross it's so fun to have Ross come out with us and I've specifically approached a few of you and asked if you'd like to come with us and it's uh, a lot of times because I feel drawn to you. So if I do that um, and ask you to come with us, maybe maybe pray about coming. Uh, there's nothing like boots on the ground and, and meeting people face to face and just loving on people where they're at. And it, 
super amazing what God will do if you just step out in faith. Because it takes faith to do that. It takes courage, right, to go up to somebody you don't know and say, hey, we're just looking to pray for people. But when you do that, it's powerful. Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and said, I'm a pastor, and I feel like the Lord has, has, has told us to come pray for people. Do you need prayer for anything? How cool would that be? Like, I would get excited if somebody wanted to pray for me yeah. randomly. Yeah. Have you ever been in a place where you've just been like, God, I really need an encouragement right now. It'd be really awesome if you just send somebody to encourage me. And sometimes he does, which is amazing. And sometimes he doesn't. But in the times that he doesn't or somebody doesn't come and encourage, I wonder if the Lord wasn't provoking somebody to do it and they didn't do it. So here's, here's the challenge I have for you today. I believe that right now we're in a season of, of sowing and real harvest. I don't know if anybody else feels that. I know that there's a few that feel that. I really feel that. And I believe that there's the Lord is compelling us out, right? He, he's compelling us. You know, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Nobody takes a light and puts it under a bowl, but instead they put it on a lampstand that gives light to everybody in the house in the same way let your light shine before men that, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I believe that the Lord's called this church to be a beacon in this season for such a time as this and to mobilize and, and be the church. The Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say just to invite people to church, yeah, but, I, but, but go to where they're going. And that leads me to the last thing I want to talk about. You mentioned that we're looking to to launch actually a house church in this area. So we're, we, uh, we've been given permission, uh, thanks to all of Jordan's heavy, heavy lifting in the background here. Um, he's been negotiating us starting some kind of a home group in this apartment complex. And so the, the lady there, she, she basically said, we have some empty rooms that we can just loan you. And it may be a different room every, every week, but, but uh, we have we we have these these spaces that we can just lease to you, and uh, so we're looking to do we're we're looking to start something consistent there in that area. So not only are, do we want to invite people, we want to we we want to actually start something in that area. Amen. Yeah. Cool stuff. Who wants to be a part of that? Yeah. Who else is excited besides me? I'm so dang excited. I can't even hardly. I can't. You know. Uh, to, to see what God was doing, and uh, and uh, you can be a part of that. Absolutely. Here, stay with me for a second. Okay. Uh, I want us just to, I want us just to open our hands, and I want us to just to ask God to make us laborers right now. Lord, I pray that you would raise up laborers. We don't have to pray for the harvest. We pray for the laborers, Lord. Let the laborers raise up in this house, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I want you to just extend your hands towards Daniel. I think Daniel's become a representation of this in our house. God, we bless Daniel, Lord. We uh, bless the anointing that has come on his life to preach, to share, to go. And I pray that there would be great fruit in Jesus' name. Let there be great fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, give Daniel a hand. If you ever need to be... If you ever need to get fired up about the Lord, just go talk to Daniel. And uh, this is cool because actually the, the apartments are, the, the apartment manager is giving us the apartment to have a home group for free. And the day that we were, uh, the day that, how many of you were here when Joe, Joe Kinetic came? 
Um, a significant part of his shifting of his life came when the Lord told him, he said, I want you to go rent an apartment at this particular apartment place, and I want you to begin, I want you to lease it, and I want you to pray in this apartment. I want you to gather people for prayer. And so as he was sharing that story with me Saturday before church, I told Andrew, I was like, you know, I think, I think that maybe we're supposed to get an apartment to gather people and pray at the apartment complex. And so he shared this word, and like, a couple weeks later, so I just started praying, God, do you want the church to sign a lease to get an apartment here so that we can do something? And then, like, a couple weeks later, like, they just give us one for free and hand us a key and say, we'll open, you know, get, like, I have key on, key on my uh, key ring of any of their open apartments right now. They will, they when, every week, they'll just say, all right, this one's open, you go to it. It's literally a master key. And they just said, we want you here. And they've started telling us that people are coming, families are coming to tell them about, yeah. like, how encouraging it's yeah, been. So it is, it's crazy. So, anyway, I want you all to know, not everybody is called to say, do the same thing, but everybody is called to live a holy life. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning, or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening.